Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash. I'm the host of the Articulate Fly, and tonight I'm joined by Dale Collins, co-owner of Tuckasegee Fly Shop. Welcome to the show, Dale. Hey, thank you, Marvin. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, excited to catch up with you and chat about some fishing. Yeah, it'll be good, and it's kind of nasty weather uh, tonight, so uh, it's a good thing you're on your cell phone so you don't have to worry about losing your juice. Uh, before we get going tonight, uh, I want to give a shout out to tonight's sponsor. It's, uh, it's our friends at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. And that event will be held March 23rd and 24th in Plano, Texas. And if you go to our website and go to our event page at thearticulatefly.com, you can get all the details. So, Dale, I always ask all of my guests to share their earliest fishing memory. Cool, yeah. So, I, I, the earliest possible memory I have, I must have been... I, I'm sure not even five years old yet, uh, at the pier at Tossel Island and, uh, just, just dangling bait over the pier there. And, and I remember catching a, a blowfish and I thought that was the coolest thing. And it kind of, it kind of showed me that there's a whole nother reality, uh, going on out there under the, under the water. And, um, you know, from there, I'd always been intrigued about fishing and, um, and, and, dabbled in it a little bit and uh but that's that's uh that's that's the earliest that i can remember very very cool and when did you make the move to the dark side of fly fishing uh you know so i came to college at western carolina university uh here in Cullowee, uh 2001 and my roommate he said he, he said hey let's go down here to the tuck let's go let's go fly fish and i was like man I don't know. That looks pretty tough. I don't have a clue about it. And he had some uh, old red ball vinyl waders, and I had a pair of, of cheap hiking boots. And man, we suited them up. And, uh, he, he let me borrow those waders, and we went out there. And he said, "Man, it's overrated. It's not as hard as it looks." And I went out there, and you know, and and I'm I'm getting bird's nests and dealing with some of those difficult nuances. But for the most part, I was kind of like, wow, I'm standing here fly fishing on the Tuckasegee. And, you know, it was a great, learned it was a great time when I caught fish or not. You know, fortunately there's some suicide fish that would jump on the hook for me and, you know, help me, help me along there. But uh, it was, it was fun, fun making that switch. Uh, You know, seeing how engaging it was as opposed to, um, the spinning mentality where sometimes it can be just casting and hoping or, you know, just throwing bait on there and, uh, taking advantage of dumb fish. So it, uh, it was just, just a lot of fun. And, and as you got deeper into the sport, who were some of your mentors? You know, it, it's, it's really, uh, that's, that's tough to say. I, I, I can't say I, I have a single one mentor. I, I think, um, as the sport progressed, um, especially at least it progressed for me. And I think regionally in the Southeast in the, um, mid two thousands, um, it seemed to, to really take off and just, just bumming along and figuring it out. You know, I I don't, I would go to the fly shows, you know, and I'd watch lefty test and just make it look so easy. And, uh, I thought it was cool that people were so willing to share information, because uh, I sort of had this uh, this idea about fly fishing that you know nobody would really show you how to do it. You, you just had to figure it out on your own. It was tight lipped, and you know, especially 2001 and 
out totally. It seemed like, you know, you ain't from around here. We ain't going to teach you. You know, that's kind of a stereotype that I assumed. I don't think that was actually the case. Uh, but maybe I was just afraid to ask, too. Uh, but, no, going to the fly-fishing shows and, and the expos um, and listening to folks and, you know, reading some magazines, that was uh, that was that was that was where a lot of it came from. Well, that's really great, Dale. So you learned to fly fish doing a lot of um, kind of on your own learning and going to expos and shows. You know, now that you're a shop owner, you know, who are some of your mentors today? So that's the great thing about this sport is that you just you, you don't stop learning. And, and just because you're in the industry and involved with a fly shop doesn't mean you know it all. Um, it, it's been amazing to connect with folks like Ken Castorf. Uh, at Endless River Adventures there, the Nantahala Gorge. Learned a lot from him. Ben Bergen, uh, he's a longtime guide and, and personal friend. Learned a ton from him. Uh, and, you know, just hanging around guys like Mac Brown. Um, you know, anytime any of these guys are uh, talking, you can learn something from them. Mac Brown will forget more about fly fishing than I'll ever learn for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and it's just a lot of fun. So, uh, it's it, the guys that say, Hey, I want to go fishing and, uh, let's, let's get together and go fish. I want to try something new. That's the guys you want to pay attention to, uh, because those are the folks that are going to push the sport forward. And, and another one I can't, can't forget is, is Jim Estes. Uh, I think he's being inducted into the, um, museum of the Southern Appalachian fly fishing hall of fame here pretty, pretty soon. And, um, man, that guy is just a, a wealth of knowledge and, I mean, he's been fishing these these Smoky Mountain streams for six. So very cool, and I know you've got a partner in crime in the fly shop, Bobby Bennett. How did you two guys get hooked up? So we have a, uh, a mutual friend. Uh, he, uh, we, I was living in Greensboro at the time, Greensboro, North Carolina, and um, we 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 met through fishing trips with that friend. Just got to know each other, and uh, that that guy moved away, and uh, you know Bobby and I we just kept fishing. So uh, we still keep in touch with our friend Justin. And he uh, he he moved out to Texas, and it's a good excuse to go out there and, and fly fish in Texas. Uh, and we we go out there to Bo's, uh the the Texas fly fishing uh, and brew festival there, and, and go see our buddy Justin while we're there. Uh, but it's. Um, we, we just kept in contact and kept fishing and, um, you know, we always putting together crazy ideas and about fishing and then things went from there. And, um, how do you guys cut allocate things in the shop? Do you guys both do the same stuff or do you kind of divide, divide and conquer? You know, it's, it's, it's really been neat to watch that evolve. Uh, it, it's, it's certainly a, uh, a balance, uh, you know, Bobby and I are, are different people and we bring different traits, uh, to the business relationship, like any relationship that's, that's going to be positive and, and work together. And, um, we, we do, uh, we do have, you know, roles that, that we can each take on and, and, you know, it's, uh, I, I think a lot of times the way it, it works best is when we put aside egos and think about what's best for the shop and, uh, what's, what's, what's fair for everybody involved. Um, uh, it, it seems to work out really well. I tend to be, um, an ideal guy, an idea guy that's, that's gonna, 
you know, dream up big ideas and Bobby can, can reel me back into earth and say, well, well, that's, that's, that's not the direction we need to go or, or something like that. And I just say, okay, what, what, what do we need to do? And, um, you know, we're, we're to a point in the shop now where, uh, we're really starting to, um, grow some of our folks and, and specific roles. So that's going to be neat to watch over the next, uh, next year or so and see how that plays out to, to watch the shop grow now in that direction. Very neat. And I know that, uh, the fly shop is your second career. And I think you were a, a coach and a teacher before, um, what led you to make the jump? So, man, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I was, I was five years into teaching and, um, uh, I was teaching at Thomasville high school and now in the central part of the state and found myself driving up at least once a month and playing in the mountains around Western North Carolina and, uh, and, and fishing. And I, I had sold a lot of my outdoor gear that I had accumulated in college. Um, you know, backpacking equipment, hunting equipment. I said, you know, I want to narrow down, uh, to, to one thing and, and that be fly fishing. And I just found myself getting consumed, uh, with, with the sport. And, uh, was that a point in the career where, um, a lot of teachers actually burn out in year five, and I think I was there. Um, and I just needed something different. And uh, a friend of mine owns some, uh, he owns some pharmacies up here uh, in the mountains, and independent pharmacies came up and was managing business for him and, and said, man, if I'm going to be running a business, it'd be cool if, uh, if it was mine, you know, just just the, the ins and outs of a business. Uh, I learned that if you can manage a classroom, you can manage people. There's a lot of similarities there. And so I, you know, just needed to figure out some business basics and, um, cash flow basics and kind of move on from there. Um, and jumped off the cliff, man. It was, we were, some would say we were still in the recession. Um, some would say we were climbing out of the recession, but, uh, 2013, when we started kicking around the idea of, of opening a uh, fly shop, it was, it was crazy. And people were telling us that, you know, it was nuts and it wouldn't work. And, um, but if you listen to everybody else, then you'll just kind of stay in your corner for the rest of your life. So, um, but teaching was a lot of fun. It taught me a lot of things and, um, I'm still teaching. Like, uh, it's just a different classroom. It's, it's a much bigger classroom. And, um, definitely more dynamic. Very interesting. And what uh, led you to select Bryson city as the initial location for your first shop? So while in college, um, I had worked for, uh, one of the pharmacies that my friend had done, a pharmacy technician, just, uh, in between classes going over and working. And so I built a, built a relationship there with folks in the community. Uh, got to know, uh, some fly tires there, James Connor. Uh, he was uh, a huge influence on us in, in terms of encouragement and kind of, kind of, you know, taught us, you know, a lot about what works, what doesn't, uh, and even in, you know, fly selection, not just uh, business, but um, Bryson City just, just felt like home, you know. Um, we, we knew a lot of people and uh, the business environment was, was right. Um, you know, the, the town was, um, doing better, I think, than, than most, um, in, in Western North Carolina at that time period, uh, coming out of the 20, mid 2010. So, um, it just made sense, you know, um, 
I'd say the people more than anything was the was the main reason. Yeah, and I know I always think of fly shops are kind of like bars. They all have their own personality. Um, what's the vision that you guys have for your shop, and um, how do you want people to think about Tuckasegee Fly Shop? So you know, Bobby and I, being that this is this is second in career for us, uh, we we know what it's like to be on the other side of the counter as a customer walking into a fly shop, and you know we've walked into shops where um, you know depending on what hat was on your head or what shirt you were wearing, depending on what kind of service you got. And we've always said from the very beginning, that's not who we want to be. So um, our focus is very customer centric and your experience in our fly shop is the most important thing. Um, and, and we're, we're going to keep that perspective of that person on the other side of the counter that, you know, you may not fish three times a week. You may not get the opportunity to fish once a month. You, you may get twice a year to come up to Western North Carolina and fish you just need to know the lowdown and, 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 and just some help. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 I had a guy the other day in the shop ask, you know, uh, what's a, what's a BWO? It's like, man, that's, that's a great question. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a blowing olive. You know, and that, that's okay to ask those questions in a fly shop. And I think a lot of times questions don't get asked enough. You know, I think back to when I was in college out here, you know, trying to figure it out. I was very intimidated to go into the shop and ask questions. So, we never want people to feel intimidated uh, to ask questions and, and to ask for help and where to go, how to rig up. You know, we have people bring in their entire uh, their entire rod and and we'll help them we'll, we'll help them rig. You know, just like hey, here's how you tie this knot. Let's let's get it figured out so you go out and have a good time. So you know, the the biggest the biggest thing man, is is you know that that customer and their experience because um, we want them to enjoy. I mean, you're 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 in Western North Carolina fishing to enjoy it, not to not to get berated at the counter. So I'd say that's that's certainly the the biggest biggest focal point for us in the shop. And and tell me a little bit about what you offer in terms of you know what's what stuff you stock, you know your guide program, private water things like that. Yeah, so you know on the retail side of things, our our main focus when we opened was we need to have what people need. And that's, you know, flies, leader, tippet, uh, terminal tackle, you know. So, you know, we, we start there. So we're always going to be stocked with, with those necessities. Um, you know, we can be open on a, a cold January day and, you know, some, some fellow might drop a fly box in the Nantahala and he comes in and he needs to get, you know, get the reset button and, you know, we can take care of that for him. Um, so, you know, from there, you know, we carry uh, Patagonia and fins, uh, waders and boots, um, and you know, the we got apparel from those companies as well. Uh, we came on board this year as a Orvis uh, dealer, so we're we're sprinkling in Orvis into the mix uh, with apparel and um, terminal tackle and uh, some of the rods. So we're excited about uh, about that growth. Uh, so. You know anything you would expect to see in in a fly shop that that maybe you see in in the catalogs or you know the fly fishing show. We want you to be able to see that in our shop. So so if you're needing those those uh, you know waiter repair kit because you you got a blowout, then then we can help you. So 
Um, you know, that, that type of stuff we want to always make sure we take care of. And, you know, on the guiding side of it, you know, we, we do half day and full day wade trips and, and float trips, you know, on, on public waters. And we certainly, you know, I think we've got 5,000 miles of public water between these two counties of Jackson and Swain County. Uh, and the Jackson County Chamber does a tremendous job of helping people locate that with the Western North Carolina fly fishing trail map and, um, and, and that information. But we also, uh, we also do offer private water trips also, um, we're, we've got a, we've got a program called Thunderstruck Lodge and we do uh full day trips out there. That's a pretty exclusive experience. You're, you're in the middle of uh, a beautiful piece of property in the middle of the Nanahewa National Forest. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a special place getting there. Is, it seems like half the fun and then oh yeah, you get the fish. So, uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, and we also do all inclusive lodge trip packages there, uh, where we, we have guys stay on site with you at the lodge. Uh, they're going to cook for you. They're going to, they're going to get you there, your transportation. Uh, they're going to cook your meals for you and also guide you. So it's, it's kind of takes a lot of the logistical, uh, figuring out out of the equation for folks coming to Western North Carolina. So, um, pretty, pretty dynamic, uh, experience there, uh, with that, with the lodge packages there at Thunderstruck. Um, but man, you know, what, what a beautiful place to, to be able to guide and, and, and lead people to, to fish, uh, whether it's with a guide or, uh, coaching people up in the shop on their own, you know, it's, it's just a, just an incredible place. Yeah. And, and what waters do you guys guide on? So folks know. Yeah. So we are permitted to, to guide in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So, you know, that gives us access to 1900 miles of, of trout streams. Mostly, uh, I do, I do take pride in the, the Lord blessed us with a lot of water on the North Carolina side of the park and a lot fewer people. So, um, it, it's, if, if you see 30 people on the Tuckasegee, you can go to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park and, and find some, find some solitude on a, on a piece of water. So, you know, we got there, the Oconalufti is, is, is a great river to fish. Deep Creek right there by the shop is, is incredible. Uh, people underestimate that Creek often and, come back to the shop telling us about how they wish they had their net because that'd be brown that away. And, um, uh, we, we of course have the Bryson city delayed harvest there on the Tuckasegee. Uh, and then, uh, let's see the delayed harvest section over in Webster and Dillsburg and the little Tennessee. That's one that kind of gets overlooked. That's a great smallmouth fishery. And if you ever want to see what the Tuckasegee looked like before development, just go to the little Tennessee because it's pretty much all the lands, uh, locked up in a conservation land trust and it's absolutely gorgeous and we're out there usually from may to you know early october at the latest and uh chasing smallmouth and just just the beauty is incredible because uh, it's just trees and river and uh rocks of course um but uh the fishing is is stellar and you got the place to yourself so uh of course we do also got on the uh the tribal waters uh in cherokee so it's 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 really limitless where we can go. Yeah. And I mean, all that stuff's pretty close to the shop. I mean, most of that stuff's easily within an hour. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, when we, when we opened the shop, I, I think, I think the biggest surprise when we, when we opened was seeing how many people were already coming to Bryson city for fly fishing and we're basing Swain County and Bryson city 
as their base of operations to go to Cherokee, to go to the Nantahala, to go fish the tuck. And, and so Bryson City was essentially the epicenter. And, you know, so we we, we sort of stumbled into um, filling that niche that, you know, folks just, there, there wasn't a brick and mortar shop in town for them to go to. And um, now there is. Yeah, and talk to me a little bit about, I mean, the store's still relatively young, but kind of starting out, what were some of your biggest and most surprising challenges? Yeah, so, you know, we opened in 2014, and, you know, from, I, I think the hardest thing, you know, to really grasp, and, and we're almost, you know, this, you know, fifth year coming up here to celebrate uh, in August here of this year. Um, the hardest thing I think was, was understanding how the industry works. Uh, there, there is a ebb and flow of the industry. Um, products come on waves, they get hot and then they can go away and, and knowing which products to jump on with that wave and which ones to, you know, what? there's, there's five stores in Bryson city and including this, we probably shouldn't, we probably shouldn't jump on that or, you know, every fly shop's got this product. Maybe maybe we should pass on this one, or hey, maybe we're ahead of the game on this product. Maybe maybe we should bring it in. So then the next thing was was also figuring out how small the industry really is. I think um, we we've got some really bright uh, folks working for the manufacturers and fly fishing that um, do an incredible job of marketing. And when you open a magazine, a fly fishing magazine of, of any sort, whether it be the Drake. Uh, Fly Fish America or any of those publications, you see some of this marketing. You're like, man, that's that's beautiful, man. There must be a lot of money in this sport. And and then then you find out that uh, you know I think I think uh, there's six people working at the fish pond offices in Colorado and uh, and and num- numbers similar to that across the industry for these, a lot of these manufacturers. So just realizing, you know. There, there's not an army behind these full page ads. It's it's a small operation um, across the board. So, um, and and grasping the ordering process. Yeah, we're we're getting ready here uh, in the spring to look at uh, products from manufacturers for spring of 2020. So all our stuff for fall of 2019, that's all ordered. And and man, it is it is a crazy thing to have to predict what you're going to sell. Yeah, you know, eight months to a year from now. So, and you know, who knows what'll be going on then? We might have a hundred inches of rain between now and then, like we had for 2018. Yeah, I was but, ju- uh, just have to take it as it comes. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say, probably want to make sure you have lots of rain jackets. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I know, particularly in smaller uh, towns, that community is really important. And so, what do you guys do in the in the Bryson City community? For the community as well as for the fly fishing community, you know, so we're we're heavily involved with uh, our Trout Unlimited group that cover our, our Tuckasegee chapter, Trout Unlimited. Uh, uh, you know, you can you'll see the faces of the Tuck Fly Shop involved in in cleanups and chapter meetings and uh, educational opportunities associated with the chapter. Um, we're, we're working with, uh, that Trout Unlimited group pretty closely with Trout in the Classroom. Shannon Messer, um, he, he came on board with us almost a year ago to the date. And he, uh, he's head of our Trout in the Classroom program for our chapter. So, you know, Bobby and I, we we work with him to make sure he can, 
go cover those classrooms and, and get those teachers what they need for that program uh, to make it work. Uh, we do incorporate local fly tires into the fly bins. So um, it, it's, it is, it's still, I was talking to somebody today in the shop about how it's great that there's still a cottage industry in fly fishing. So, you know, there's still people in their homes making things that can't be sold in fly shops. Uh, whether it be flies or, you know, fly tying base that's uh, made in uh, North Carolina from uh, Corey Easter, CE Technology. Um, his fly tying base is phenomenal. And, you know, so uh, trying to incorporate some, some local flair like that is important to us. Um, and, and the community is, is incredibly big um, I, in, in, in terms of the fly fishing community, the swing County community incredible um but it's influenced by a lot of people from a lot of different areas that have like i said been coming to bryson city for a long time uh and and have just embraced that that atmosphere yeah and it's winter time do you guys do uh tying events we do every uh wow it's some really bright lightning i'm standing outside pretty crazy in february to watch lightning um but yeah so every third thursday we do have a fly tying night um and uh it's uh so that's actually tomorrow night uh, we it's just kind of bring your own advice and uh shannon messer he's going to be uh sh- helping helping folks uh specifically this week with uh, uh the different types of dubbing loops that you can use on fly patterns so uh it, it's pretty informal uh, you don't have to know anything about fly tying you can just come out and hang out and, uh sit and watch or somebody will show you i mean it's 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 really cool it's a good fellowship and you know we it's over in silva we slide the inventory out of the way and bring in tables and everybody can set up their vices and you know it's it's pretty cool everybody's teaching each other patterns that work well for them or and, you know trying to trying to see what's the craziest fly they can make so uh, my seven-year-old son figured out that uh that he can he can make uh he can use dubbing out of our uh, our our black lab puppy's dog bed and make flies with it. So he's really excited to show a lot of folks tomorrow night that you know a lot of stuff we see in everyday life we can use for fly tying if we just think about it the right way. Um, but yeah, you know, those kind of things happen on fly tying nights. So uh, this year for 2019, we do want to incorporate other events um, on a on a monthly basis. You know, like a, a women's fly tying night as well. Um, and we do also in October we have the uh, Smoky Mountain Fly Fishing Festival there in Bryson City. So we do that with Anahala Brewing. Um, we set up uh, a lot of vendors down there on their property. Uh, the Sims folks. We try to have other rep, industry reps come in. You can see a lot of it. It's the first time really for uh, the consumer to see a lot of the new stuff that's going to be coming out the next year. Uh, in 20 so it'll be 2020 you'll see the new new lines that are coming out so it's a great opportunity for folks to you know test drive a rod for the first time that they may not have touched yet um also uh let's see uh, this weekend we're uh, we're co-sponsoring the uh, uh fly fishing film festival there in silva so uh we're doing that to raise money for uh the trout in the classroom program so uh, a lot of events going on it's it's it is busy it's it's january february but it's busy well that's awesome and uh, you mentioned silva when did you guys open your store in silva and what was kind of the impetus behind making that decision and opening a second shop 
So we, um, you know, the interesting thing about uh, Silva and Bryson City is the characteristics of the towns are, are completely different. There's um, certainly more of a tourism-based feel over in Bryson City, uh, similar to, you know, I hear a lot of people say it's kind of like a Colorado feel, a Colorado town. And Silva is, you know, much more residential. Um, you, you certainly have a college of eleven to 12,000 people here at Western Carolina University. And so in those months, like, uh, you know, December, January, and February, when a lot of folks have, have put the fly rods away for the winter, you've got a lot of people uh, walking around and uh, looking for fly time material and, and whatnot. So we've got a lot of people coming to Bryson City from Jackson County and Silva um shopping with us and you know like i said a couple years ago the environment just wasn't quite right um it it was more right for bryson city than it was silva but now it was right for silva and we were bobby and i were were walking downtown silva after dinner with some friends and we said let's do it you know it just just sort of just it felt right uh we we both live here in, in silva in jackson county and um you know, we're already a part of the communities here in, in that aspect. So it was just a good fit. And again, it filled a void. So it uh, just just made sense. And um, it's been a lot of fun to, to be able to serve the the, the fly fishing culture of uh, Jackson County, which is which is different than, than Swain because because of the college. So you've got your your 18 year olds to, you know, 21 year olds that were just like me, you know, trying to figure it out. But then you also have your 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 old timers that you know they don't fish in the winter because they don't believe in wearing waders, and and they're they're not going to fish again until maybe mid April when the water warms up enough to get in there and wet weight. Uh, and that's just cool to see that blend here uh, in Silva of, of those two um, cultures of, of fly fishing meet. And, and did that? It's been fun. And does that result in the Silva shop being different from the Bryson City shop in terms of what it offers, or are they kind of similar just in different places? Uh, it's, it's, it is very similar in both places. Uh, the Silva is a little bit bigger, but the offering is is pretty much the same. Uh, we do have more space, so uh, we try to offer a, a larger fly tying selection uh, than what we can squeeze into Bryson City. Um, the The interesting thing is that you know, it, when when you have a lot of some of these college kids in there, they're all ears listening to somebody that's forty years in this sport, uh, just soaking it up and listening. Hey, man, this this guy, this gal, they got it figured out. Let me hear what they got to say. So it, it's it's cool to see um, see these young guys eager to learn. Well, that's great, and I guess is. You know, one thing I always think about and when I talk to folks is I always want to hear about kind of the challenges and opportunities they see for fly fishing in their neck of the woods. What do you kind of see on the horizon in uh, in Western North Carolina? So, you know, a big challenge that's, you know, I think for the most part being whispered right now, is, I think it's going to be getting louder over the next couple of years, is, is public access to water. Um, you know, if you, if you pay attention closely to uh, proposed changes that NC Wildlife puts out, uh, the North Carolina Wildlife Commission puts out. Um, every now and then, you're going to see a, a stretch of delayed harvest lose a little bit, whether it's a you know half mile, quarter mile, or a mile, or or an entire delayed harvest section, or hatchery supported section, or wild trout section. It, it's going away. 
Um, and and I, I think there are some folks uh, in parts of Western North Carolina that are actually raising awareness to this. And I applaud them for that. And, and I think that's kind of a challenge that we've, we've got to find that balance between you know, property owners and, and public access uh, that that we can get out here and enjoy these waters and enjoy enjoy this creation that God's given us. Yeah, and it's always hard too. You know, I, I think about spending a lot of time when I was doing my not-for-profit stuff talking about people being respectful when they use other people's land. I mean, you know, that DH program in North Carolina is a great way to get people into the sport, and it's really, you know, the state does their part, but there's a lot of generosity on the landowner side, and I think you know fishermen need to be respectful uh, about picking up trash and you know treating people treating each other well to right. make sure that that program continues for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, just, just being smart and, and, you know, the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean, respect property and, and good things will happen. And, you know, a lot, you can go a long way just knocking on the door. Uh, you know, especially here in, in Western North Carolina, you just knock on the door. Hey, is it cool if I fish out here behind you here? And usually people are going to be, you know, yeah, go right ahead, you know? Um, so, um, but yeah, we, we do need to be smart about it. Uh, there's got to be fairness and balance in there for everybody, but I think you nailed it, man. Respect. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it goes a long way for sure. And, um, I guess as we kind of wind up tonight, uh, Dale, how can people find out more about your shops, uh, websites and social media pages? If you want to share those with folks. Absolutely. So, uh, tuckflyshop.com. We, we try to take a few vowels out of the word tuckasigi and, uh, for the web address, tuckflyshop.com is an easy way to find out more information. Uh, we do carry uh, a lot of information there on the website, not just about the guiding services and the shop, but we also keep uh, links there to find out when uh, the dam releases on the tuckasigi and the antihala are and, and the current, um, stream flow and, and if, you know, vital information like that, when you're planning a trip, uh, we do carry a blog and fish report on there. Uh, we also, uh, social media, we're, we're on Facebook. We've got, uh, two, two sections there, one for the silver location and one, uh, for the Bryson city location. They're just tuck a CG fly shop, easy to find. And then, uh, Instagram and Twitter. So, um, yeah, if you ever want to see, we, we try to have our social media show the, the lifestyle of, you know, the shop, you know, what it's, what it's like sometimes on a day in day out to be in the shop. And it's, it's not going to just all be, you know, gripping grass from, uh, you know, some beautiful fish that we're able to catch on these trips, but you know, it's, uh, it's going to be sometimes some silly stuff and, um, it might be Bobby sleeping on the bank in the snow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, or, it's different. Yeah, or pictures of the shop dog, right? And I think that's been a re- there was a recent Instagram thing I remember seeing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I've got a black lab puppy, and uh, uh, Bobby just prior to that got a got a dachshund puppy. So we've we've got a couple new shop dogs, and uh, they've they've been fun to have. Very cool. Well, Dale, I appreciate you spending some time with me this evening, and um, it's been fun. And and I I know the weather's not been great in your, your part of the world. I hope it gets better. Um, everybody, I appreciate you listening tonight. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and give me a review and also in whatever the podcatcher of your choice is, if you'd subscribe, that would be great. It helps me with my advertisers. Uh, thanks again, Dale. Everybody have a great evening. Tight lines, everybody. Thank you, Marvin. <laughs>